Praise the Lord Jesus. He is Lord. Glory to God. Amen. Thanks for that welcome. Aren't you glad you're a believer? Go ahead and be seated. Glad you're here today, and I'm glad I'm back. Glory to God. I, as has already been said, I've been coming a long time and uh, still at it, still preaching, still doing what Jesus called me to do, and delighted to be able to come here and do it with you again. Praise God. I see so many that I've gotten to know over the years and, and some faces that I've never been able to meet yet, but uh, glad we can all enjoy the presence of God together and have an opportunity to excel and grow in God. Amen. You know, Jesus is to you who you say he is to you. He is Lord of all. We get that. I mean, the Bible is so clear about it. You know, we don't change that no matter what we think or what we say. But we demonstrate and really set the pace for how he functions in our life and what he does for us based on our decisions and what we declare. When we declare him to be Lord and Savior, we are born again and saved. Jesus becomes Lord of our life. But when we declare him to also be our healer and our healing, there's another facet of who he is that he wants to demonstrate in our life. And it really, you find, is hinging on the choice that you've made if he's going to be a healer in your life and in your body or if he's announced in your life to be the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Well, then that's who he becomes for you. He is who you say he is. And it's vital that we discover not only who he is in himself, but who he is in us and what he has said belongs to us. And that's why these kinds of times always, every week, every part of being a, the family of God is vital so that we keep growing in who God has designed us to be. Aren't you glad you're in a church that helps that happen? Yes. Praise the Lord. I love the environment and the spirit of the ministry here. I travel a great deal, and thankfully, over the years, I've gone into some amazing places. And it re really, you come to find, requires positioning the presence of the Lord for God to do the kinds of things that he really wants to do. And our worship does that. Our interest, our focus, our laying aside of the distractions that come at us so that we can dial into the presence of God. Here's what we know. We know that his presence is actually everywhere all the time. You, you can't get away from the presence of God anywhere on this planet. Thank God. But something happens when we really dial in, in our focus and in our worship and in our attention to the Lord, where we have decided this is a moment I'm hearing from the Lord, I'm receiving from the Lord, I'm offering to Him my fellowship, my friendship, and I'm receiving that from Him. We really set the pace for so many things. Even though He is Lord, he has given you authority and autonomy in your own life to make choices, to either allow or disallow whatever's going to take place. And so that's, again, why we just, just enjoy and must have times of worship like this and thank God for it. Amen. Amen. 
Well, Vicki, my wife brings her greetings also, or I carry her greetings. It's a heavy responsibility to carry somebody else's greetings, you know. You got you to gotta really show up and do it right. So she greets you in the name of Jesus. And, uh, and uh, we're celebrating, since I brought it up, this year is our 50th year of marriage. And I just shamelessly decided to let you know that. Yeah, praise God. We've been serving the Lord since 1971, both of us have, and, uh, and have been delighted to not only grow up in God, but to be used by God in different places like, like here right now. Praise God. So thanks for being here today. You know, I want to focus on some things. You're the early service, and so, you know, I, I understand you got you to gotta get, it, get it in, get it quick, and get them out. Maybe, maybe that's not entirely what you had in mind, but that's how it plays out. But I'm meditating on some things that God has really focused my attention on. And, you know, to position this, we're not going to go into a study of Nehemiah, but when you re realize that Nehemiah was used by God to do such an amazing thing in Israel, the walls of Jerusalem had been down for decades and God gave him an assignment to rebuild the walls and what happened when Nehemiah embraced that is that over the next 52 days they went about fulfilling what God had assigned Nehemiah to do and Nehemiah saw those walls rebuilt in a season what had not been done in a lifetime 70 years plus that those walls had been down and the protections and all of the uh, environment that those walls created had been, been down on the ground and yet in a season it was all reestablished. Satan fought it. Satan did everything possible to stop it and to prevent Nehemiah from fulfilling what his assignment was, but it didn't work. Glory to God. What a testimony it is. But here's the thing that I have so strong inside me. We are in a season right now that the Holy Spirit is drawing us close. He always has. There's nothing uh, new about it. But it's as though we are in a season and Satan's doing everything possible to distract and keep people from focusing on what God is doing in this season. It really is a time when there's this outpouring of the Spirit of God. I mean, in the U.S., we've seen some dramatic things take place in the, in the recent months. Ashbury University was one place you may have heard about where there was a, an amazing outpouring of the presence of God during a, a, a chapel service is where it began, just of the student body. And it went on for weeks. Thousands of people came and, and were changed and impacted by the power of that. And it sprung off into a variety of other things on other campuses all over the United States and really even in congregations and campuses in various parts of the world. These are signs of the times that we're in. We're in times of an awakening. We are in times of a move of God. And there's certainly nothing new about God moving, but there's something important 
empowering to us to know that we are in a season that God is doing something dramatic and he wants you and me participating. He wants us to not only know it's happening, but to enjoy it, step into it, participate in it and benefit. You know, all of this is not just about using us and using us up. It's about also benefiting our life. And uh, that's the direction I believe God wants me to focus on. And I want to read something to you from the Song of Solomon that the Spirit of God directed me to, which I don't really use a great deal in preaching over the years. I realized I may have never had a message that came out of the Song of Solomon But this is going to be from the Passion Translation, which I've come to really appreciate the terminologies and things uh, that are brought out in this translation. And in Song of Solomon, which we know Solomon was writing these poetic sort of of, uh, writings to uh, uh, his bride as a king and some very uh, colorful and flowery kind of terminology is used in this which may float your boat and may not. But what it really comes down to for us is these are prophetic words that really reveal the heartbeat of our Heavenly Father and how He wants to speak to us and how Jesus Himself is drawing you and me as His own bride into a place of fellowship, closeness, intimacy, and wanting to do it with excellence. And so I want you to hear these things with that in mind. This is Jesus really talking to you and me as well when when Solomon writes this, beginning in verse 11 of chapter 2. The season has changed. The bondage of your barren winter has ended. Ooh, I love this term. (laughs) We could park right there for the rest of the day. The season has changed. The bondage of your barren winter has ended. The season of hiding is over and gone. The rains have soaked the earth. How appropriate that we have these rains today. Because uh, it is a picture of the Holy Spirit really doing a work of saturating us with His presence, the watering of the word that does something inside of us. So the rains have soaked the earth and left it bright with blossoming flowers. The the season for singing and pruning the vines has arrived. I hear the cooing of the doves in the land, filling the air with the songs, awakening you and, or to awaken you and to guide you. Now watch this, verse 13. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? This is a powerful question that God really presents to you and me. And he positions it this way. It is a new day of destiny. Say it out loud. New day of destiny. Say it again. It's a new day of destiny. And that's for you and me right now. Destiny, such a powerful concept. It really, it really speaks to a destination that God has in mind, a place that he's taking us, a road that he wants us to travel, a direction that he's pointing us so that we arrive at the destination 
that He's designed for us. And that's why we study so much in the Word and you come to these times and why God wants each of us reading Scripture in the Bible, making that part of our personal habit and diet ongoing because it paints the pictures of what He has put before us and how He wants us to live, how we can get to the places He wants us to get to in our walk with Him, how we can receive on the highest levels possible. But he said this, can you not discern this new day of destiny that is breaking forth around you? What a powerful word and question. He, he goes on and he says, the early signs of my purpose and plans are bursting forth. Glory to God. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whispers, listen to this, there is change in the air. Say it out loud, there is change in the air. Ooh, God's always about change, isn't he? He doesn't change, but he does pull us into change and just continues to do it all through our life. Man, I've been walking with Jesus since 1971. Man, it's been a long time. But here's what I find. Even in all of these years, he keeps continuing to pull back and peel back the onion, so to speak, and find new ways and new things that he wants to pry out of my life and to deposit and let those deposits in my life flourish. It's an ongoing thing, man. It's never ending. It just gets better. It's not condemning, man. It's not frustrating. It's not saying, oh, man, I'm not there yet. No, it is this ongoing wonder and desire and longing to see the great things that are in front of us because of our relationship with Jesus. Amen. This isn't just casual Christianity. This isn't just show up to church and everything's all right. This is about development, growing, the horizons in front of us that God has put there. But watch this. He says, change is in the air. So he says, arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to rise and come away with me. I want you to let that soak in. This is, a, this is an amazing invitation. This is time for us to rise up. Even now, we know Jesus. I mean, if you've come here today, it's very likely the majority of us already know Jesus and already know that heaven is our home. If you don't know that for a fact, this is the right time and the right place to make the choice and just decide that I'm turning my life finally over to Jesus right now and receiving His greatness. But for every one of us that know Jesus and know that this kingdom is ours, God's given us an invitation to step it up, to bring it up to an even richer experience and life. God's got resources that we still are discovering. We're going to spend all of eternity discovering the depths of our God. And even in this life, now that we know Him, we continue to discover His goodness, His greatness, His power, and how He wants to reveal Himself to you and what that's going to do inside of you. Glory to God. Man, that flips my switch. So he said, come away with me. This is the time to rise up to shine, that's what Isaiah talked about in Isaiah chapter 60. He said, this is time to rise and shine because your light has come. 
Jesus is that light. We get that. But his, he said it's time with that light to rise up and shine. And he goes on in the next verse there in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 2, he said, in fact, let's, let me just refer to that for a moment and, and uh, read this statement to you. He said, Arise and shine, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. One translation says, And His glory will be seen streaming from you. Amen. But in the second verse he said, Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. And deep darkness, the people. Two different words for the word darkness, actually, in the Hebrew text. And I bring it up because uh, they have very, very different aspects. It's all darkness. But one aspect, he said, there would be darkness, misery, and destruction that will cover the earth. That's really what that Hebrew word for darkness indicates. Misery and destruction. Well, we've seen that throughout history, but man, we're seeing this on a much higher level right now. The chaos that is, we were talking about that, Pastor and I were talking about the chaos that Satan thrives on has just been injected and ramped up into societies on a much higher level in these days. We see it, we get reports of it, and that's part of it. We get this instant kind of information regarding anything going on. And uh, that doesn't always really serve us well. But he said it this way, Behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness, a second word that really indicates gloom and despair. He said there will be that kind of gloom and despair darkness, not just on the earth, but actually on people. And that's really the goal that Satan has in mind with what he does, anything that he can do to create the despair the destruction, the chaos, the kinds of things that will interrupt your faith and confidence in God. Anything to get you focused on all the wrong stuff that feeds your soul. You know, it's been said wisely and rightly that if you're spending, if, if you're discouraged and if you're in a slump and you're spending more time focused on the daily news and and reports of how things are in the economy and the rioting and the, the killings that go on and shootings that take place, if that has your attention more than you give attention to God, His Word, and His promise in your life, then your discouragements are self-inflicted. The devil doesn't have to be involved on a deep scale with you. You take care of his work all by yourself. So we learn from that that we feed our own soul and our meditations, and it really has an impact. And so you can figure out easily how to shut that down by just shifting where you put your attention. Doesn't mean we, we hide our head in the sand and pretend that there's nothing happening out there. He said, behold the darkness. He said, look at it, but look at it for what it is. It's a strategy to dissuade you and to move you off of your focus that God's called you to. So he sandwiches that darkness statement in between verses 1 and even the second half of verse 2 because he goes on here and he says, but the Lord. Everybody say, but. But, but the Lord. Anything that comes after the but changes what came just before the but. As long as you keep your butt in the right place, you're going to have, you know, I wasn't going to say that. I was not going to say that. 
Could be the only thing somebody remembers, though. You never know. <laughs> but the Lord will arise over you. Say, over me. And his glory will be seen upon you, or again, be seen even streaming from you. The glory, not just a cloud of glory, but the manifestation of the presence of God, the evidence that God is at work in our life will be seen. Sometimes we don't realize the impact that we have just by getting around somebody. You know, we, we're not puffed up in ourselves. It's not about who we are. It's about who Jesus is. But when you carry Jesus and there's that influence and impact in your life, something really is carried that streams from us that, that other people are influenced by. They, they know something is up with you and they don't really understand what it is. Why are you not troubled by stuff you're going through or why... Is that you have a smile on your face when the rest of us are grumpy and grisly. Or whatever it is, there is something up with us that people don't always have a real clear picture of what it is. We can help them get that picture. Sometimes they'll even ask or they'll even say it. You know, you look like you're having a good day today. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I am. Let me tell you why. <laughs> In traveling a lot, as I do, I'm in airports a lot and on airlines and, and airline seats. And, you know, the, the tension and the hostilities have, have uh, really ramped up over the last number of years. The travel industry has figured out how to squeeze out any joy or any pleasantness about travel. And so you understand why there is a lot of issues that can happen and people flipping out on airplanes or airline desks. And, but, you know, you come to realize that's really not the way to get your way. When you have to rely on all of that, it's because you're weak. Yeah. You don't understand the strength that you have. You come to realize that if you can be pleasant in these times of pressure, if you can be a voice of calm and a voice of, of uh, pleasantness, uh, it can really go a long way in not only diffusing some really tough times, but even putting you in a position of favor Amen. where somebody is disposed to do you a favor. That may not be the only reason we do it, but it does enter my mind <laughs> at appropriate times, and it's really paid off. So he said, arise and shine. Part of that shining is just living the life that Jesus gave you to live and realize that the love and joy and peace really is a powerful and strong way to live. It's not being a weakling. It's really demonstrating a supernaturally deposited strength that you can maintain your composure, that you don't lose your cool. I mean, how strong is it to lose your cool? That doesn't just demonstrate strength at all. I'm glad you're excited about this message. <laughs> he said there's change in the air. Let's go back to Song of Solomon. Because he's invited us to arise and come away with him. But then just two verses later, in verse 15, listen to how he describes what has to happen for us to really rise up. 
In verse 15 he said, you must catch the troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship. For they are, for they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I have planted within you. Listen to that. We can actually ruin what God has planted and designed by allowing these troubling issues, and that's the point of this, to really rise up and, and not allow us to rise up in Christ. But these things rise up, and he says it here, to ruin what I have planted within you. Then he asks another really powerful question. He said, will you catch them and remove them for me? Isn't that amazing? He's asking us to do something for him. You want to know how you can please him and serve him? I mean, that's how we talk and think so many times. Lord, you've done so much for me. What can I possibly do? And this is something that he says, you can catch these little foxes that are ruining what I've planted. And then he goes on, he says, will you remove them for me? And he, he says, we'll do it together. He said, I'm in with you. I'm going to help this happen. You're not on your own just to resolve all these issues, whatever it is that's been going on. He says, I'm in it with you. You make the choice to do something that, that remedies issues that you've been struggling with. And God says, I am in with you to see it happen. Glory to God. Doesn't leave us on our own. This is what... Paul talks about when he says how the Holy Spirit has come to help us, that he will come alongside us and be our helper in times of trouble, in dealing with issues in our own life, that we look to him and receive from him help. And that word help in Romans has to do with how he will take hold together of something with us to resist and stand against the strategies that have been ruining, to use this terminology, ruining what God has planted. God will take hold together with us. And really, one study, I was listening to Rick Renner, a great theologian friend of mine. Many of you know his, his writings and his ministry. He described that word this way, that it's describing God saying he would fall into the hole that you've dug yourself into. He will jump in with you in order to lift you up out of that hole. Yeah. Glory to God. Yeah. He said, I'm in this. This is how he says it here. I'm in this with you when you make the choice to be against those things that have been strongholds in your own life. That's powerful stuff right there. 2 John verse 8 reads this way, also in the Passion Translation. He points to the same sort of thing. He said, be on your guard so that you do not lose all that we have diligently worked for, but that you receive a full reward. We can lose ground. Sometimes people have gained some ground in their Christian walk and grown up in things of God, but something comes and slams them hard and they lose some of the ground that they had gained. And so he's given us a very clear word and warning. Don't lose the ground that you've gained. 
but be certain that you continue so that you receive your full reward. That's really God's interest and intention. He wants you and me to receive on a high level. But we can undermine it from happening. See, not everything that happens happens because God has decided this is the way it's going to be. Some people have the idea that God just has orchestrated every single detail of your life and uh, anything that happens and everything that happens to you is because God wanted it that way. But that's really not the truth. God is actually not in total control, not of everything. You know, I grew up in Los Angeles. I now live in Texas. A lot of people that have lived in California have been moving to Texas and they've been bringing their driving skills with them. <laughs> and the reason I bring that up is because when you watch some people drive on some of the highways, it's what I consider creative driving. <laughs> Trying to be nice, it's, it's crazy. The anger, the hostilities, the aggression, the ride right up. There is no interest in distance and safety. It's, it's ride up and come roll up on me, buddy. All right, I got to watch it, man. I'm getting in the flesh just thinking about it. And the reason I bring that up is because to think that God is in control of everything, I am positive God is not in control about that, how that guy's driving his car. And if God's not controlling how you drive your car, which he's not, then he's not in control of other things that you decide to do differently. Now, he'll influence anything and everything that we allow, and he's got his deal under complete control. Don't think it's out of control. He's under complete control, but he doesn't control every issue and every detail that goes on around you, but he's ready to jump in with us to resist those things that Satan has designed against us so that we can receive from God and we can conquer what Satan has come to bring that would destroy. Glory to God. Ooh, I'm glad you brought that up. Dennis, that's some good preaching. That was, that was really, I'm glad you did that. There's a statement that I read from, from a guy that's a real financial kind of guru guy, and I, I follow some of those kind of people. I like investing uh, at times, and uh, not just recently, actually, but uh, uh, investing can be great. You know, until it's not. <laughs> but in reading what one of these guys said, and this was the statement, he said, don't make a temporary setback a permanent loss. And, of course, in investing, and this is not about investing. You can do with this whatever you want regarding your investing. But uh, the idea is when things get shaky, people get panicked, over something, and if they've had a loss, they jump out when things are down instead of when things are up, and uh, suddenly what may have only been a temporary blip on the radar, they jumped out of their investment and made it a permanent loss. An investment can go back up, and many times, most times, all right, I'm not gonna say that, many times it does, and if you'll ride out the dip, you're going to end up happy in the end. That's the theory of this statement. All right, so let's get out of the investing mode because I didn't come to bring investment advice to you. 
But the point in Christian living is you can do, and many do the exact same thing. They make a permanent loss out of a temporary situation. They're going through some tough and dark times, and it is no picnic, but they make decisions that have lifelong impact over things by pulling out of something God wanted them to stay in or by staying in something God wanted them to pull out of. So you got to get the mind of God, but don't make a temporary situation into a permanent loss. Dark times are not the times to always make your life decisions. One mountain climber, I've used this often since I heard Oral Roberts talk about this once many years ago, but in describing the mountain climber's experience, which I'm not a mountain climber, I don't fully understand suffering that much in order to have the small payoff the way I see it. But, uh, but for the mountain climbers, they think I'm just a wuss. So there you go. They, they have the right to be wrong. But in mountain climbing, of course, it's exciting to the mountain climber to reach the summit and it's, it's thrilling to be able to look out over the, the, the landscape and see what they've conquered and see the beauty. And I get that. I'd love to be up there if I didn't have to climb to get there. But then it sets in on the mountain climber that he's going to have to start down. And the point of this example is this, that oftentimes the mountain climber has to make a very tough decision because he's found he's not going to get off that mountain before nightfall. He's going to have to spend the night in the mountain. It's very uncomfortable in the night, very cold in the night, maybe not a flat spot in the mountain to be able to set up camp. He may have to weasel himself into the crevice of a rock tie himself in so he doesn't fall out in the night. It is no picnic spending the night in the mountain, but there's a payoff to it. The payoff is that he's there in the morning. He realizes that to have continued to climb off of that mountain in the dark would be fatal. And so rather than fall and die over this, he finds safety even when it's uncomfortable. We go through very uncomfortable times, tough decisions, hard changes that need to be made and quality decisions that have to be settled. But in those dark times, we know that these times don't last. We are truly passing through and we will get out on the other side of this. And that's what faith does and that's what a believer does. We continue forward even when it seems like just pulling the plug must be the right thing to do right now. Now that's not to say there isn't a time for that. There is. I get that. But I just want you to realize making life decisions in dark times under pressure adds a whole new series of issues that you have to know that you know that you are following the plan of God for your life and not just reacting to the pressure and the weakness that you have in that time. Glory to God. Well, I'm glad I brought all that up. But it's a season for change. And what has to change? The little foxes. That's one of the 
issues that God has really focused us on is those little foxes or those issues that have been a part of your life maybe for a long time. Issues that are like strongholds now in your own thinking that uh, is just the way I am, Dennis. It's just, you know, part of the fabric of who I am. My family's always been like this. We've always made these kinds of mistakes. This isn't new. We've always had this kind of thinking and this attitude or whatever it may be or look like for you. It's just me being me. You got to let me be me. I need to be me. I just got to be me. <laughs> well, that's fine if you, your me is submitted to Jesus. But there are strongholds in our soul that really have to be identified and the Holy Spirit will help you identify what it is. They're not hidden necessarily. They're not an entity. Here's the thing we got to understand. In fact, I've got a few things to define what a stronghold really is. What is a stronghold? It's not a spiritual entity. You see the evidence of a stronghold, but you won't see their existence. A stronghold is not a spiritual entity. A stronghold is the lens over our soul that impacts our perception of everything, the way we see things. They are the attitudes that keep us from embracing Christ-likeness. We feel we have the right to feel the way we feel. We self-justify and we become defensive over how we respond. Strongholds, they are the areas of the mind where darkness reigns still even in a spiritual person's life. And as a result, spiritual perceptions in that arena of their life grow dim. The voice of the Lord doesn't have the same impact in a person who's allowed the strongholds to remain in an area. You know, we can be strong in the Lord in one region, in one aspect of our walk with God, and in another way, you can just have these strongholds that keep you pathetic and weak. That's a rough word, pathetic. I should have picked a different one, but it's out now. <laughs> Strongholds are specifically designed to keep the child of God from their God-given destiny. And it becomes the slave driver of that individual if it's allowed. Yeah. Strongholds. They can be torn down. You identify and let the Spirit of God describe it and help you see it. And you can tear down that stronghold by speaking to it, by recognizing and letting the Holy Spirit flood into you and help you not only identify it, but recognize it every time so that you create a new habit, a new manner of thinking, that you are victorious in that arena rather than falling prey to that same stronghold in your soul. Am I making any sense to you? Anger can be a stronghold, fear, a limitation of how you believe and how you see yourself. There's strongholds of just bad attitudes or of discouragement, strongholds of different things. They are the, the lens that we've put over our eyes. I've talked about this many times, maybe here before, but there was a time in my life as a, as a former stoner, long hair, hippie type guy. There were certain bands that I really liked, and one was The Birds. Some of you might remember The Birds. It's not important if you don't. But they were a classic band, and you should know them and appreciate them. 
Well, one of the albums they put out that I got, album, you know, vinyl, which has made a comeback, which I don't even understand. <laughs> but one album cover showed one of the guys in the band wearing these, these what I felt to be really cool glasses, really cool, with, with colored lenses. I think they were red lenses, and I thought, man, that is amazing, amazing. I need a pair like that. So I went on a hunt and finally went down to the head shop down in, sorry, in uh, Her Hermosa uh, Beach where I used to hang out. And they had some of these cool looking glasses. Some I thought looks like, I bought them. They had red lenses. I put them on. I thought, man, now I finally am truly cool. <laughs> I was most likely the only person on the planet that would have thought that at that moment. But I had these glasses on, but there was this unintended result in that everything that I looked at as I left the head shop and got out onto the streets, everything had turned red. Everything is now red. I don't just look cool. Everything looks yuck. <laughs> I mean, everybody was a shade of red. Some people are light red. Some people are dark red. Every car was red. The sky was red, really ugly looking, nasty looking red. It didn't really look all that great. Everything was red. It had turned everything ugly or skewed, and it just didn't look like it was real. The lens over our eyes really has that impact. When it's a stronghold in your soul, that's what takes place. You hear things different than other people hear it. You hear things differently than the way they've said it. You hear it, and it goes through the filters that filter out maybe the real meaning and feed into it the projections of the fears or the anger or the issues that you've had. And it really changes things and it creates enormous trouble uh, on lots of levels in our life. But when we start to identify what those strongholds are and let the Holy Spirit bring light and insight for it, man, we can build our life and He can help and falls in with us to help and to shift things. We all need this kind of help from the Spirit of God. He is our encourager. The, the Bible says He is our divine encourager is the terminology that the Passion Bible uses in John where he's talking about the Spirit. There was a point in time where Vicki went through something that I want to uh, end with on, on talking about these strongholds particularly and the season now that we're in. Several years back, she and a friend were together talking about things. Her friend had taken up painting as a hobby and really had been doing well and enjoying it. It was a real creative thing for this person to do, and, and uh, she enjoyed it. But she and Vicki were friends, and Vicki had never uh, painted or done anything of that nature. Uh, she didn't have any hobbies really at that point. She was skilled as a worker and, and had really developed all of that uh, secretarial skill and administrative abilities and logic and things. It was just phenomenal. And, uh, but her friend encouraged her and said, look, you know, you've, your mother painted uh, things, had real artistic abilities. Your sister is a great artist. And uh, even her nephew is just an amazing artist. Uh, there is this side in you, Vicki, that you've just never taken, taken hold of, maybe. Maybe you ought to try painting. And I know the talent is in there. 
And Vicki said this, listen close, because she said, uh, she said, no, she said, my mom told me when I came to ask if I could take an art class like my sisters had before me, if I could take an art class in school, I wanted to take a new class in art. And my mom said this, she said, no, Vicki, you have no talent. You don't need to take time with an art class. You need to become a secretary and take classes to help you with secretarial skills. Now, her mom didn't mean that to slam her or anything. It was just mom's opinion. But, you know, as a 13-year-old, Vicki just complied and took that and just went forward. But now nearly 50 years have passed where Vicki has believed that limiter in her life was set in granite. And when she heard it come out of her own mouth to her friend, when she quoted her mother from 50 years plus prior, she said, but that is going to die. I'm killing it now Amen. in my life. Amen. And she went on a quest to begin to develop a skill and really develop what she found was truly a talent to personally paint. And she started to take classes and learn and and find instructors that had different techniques and different ways. She went at it for years, has developed into an, a real painter that has some tremendous skill and ability and talent that is evident, and it is blessing her and it's blessing people. In fact, her very first painting that she was, it wasn't her first painting, but it was her first really to complete a a new technique that she had learned just, just recently at that point. It was knife painting, which is very textured and, and very heavy use of paints and, and has a, a very cool look to it. And she had painted a, a flower, a blooming, blossoming flower in this, in this technique, and she had posted it where friends could see it. Uh, just because she was excited at what she had done. She said, look what I did today. It was just a uh, eight by eight, I think, small painting. And she got some feedback. You know how it goes. You get a few little feedback and you feel great about it and appreciate it. And then somebody said on this post, their post back, said, you know, that is so beautiful. Is that for sale? Could I buy that? Vicki looked at me and she said, somebody actually wants to buy this. She said, what the devil used against me to limit me, now God has done to break something loose in me and even somebody's ready to pay for it. Take that devil. Glory to God. So in typical Vicky fashion, she replied to the question, can I buy that? She said, everything's got a price. And literally, she sold that painting. It wasn't her goal in doing this. But she sold that painting, and it became the first of many that now she has sold and not really tried or done it for that purpose. But it sure feels good. Because she killed a stronghold that had limited her and kept her within a boundary that God had not designed for her at all. And that is my message to you today, that there is a breaking loose that God wants to redefine. That's what we went through last night, but we're still on it. This is a season right now for you 
to step into some places in the Holy Spirit where strongholds are brought down and you are rising up. And God wants to help you discover what that's supposed to look like. You might be sitting there wondering, well, I don't know exactly. I mean, I'm not going to take up painting, and, and maybe that's not the issue here, uh, actually. You could paint the house. Maybe that would be another aspect of it. Okay, I got no enthusiasm on that idea, <laughs> which I understand completely. But there, there are issues that God will bring to the surface those little foxes. So I want you to stand with me and I want us to take hold of this together. I want you to receive something as if I was laying hands on you today. The Holy Spirit has come to touch your life with a fresh fire of His presence in your soul. He's born into you. He's alive in you. But we don't want the little foxes of our life to ruin what He has planted to stop the progress that he's got you moving towards, to keep you from the place of peace that God has designed for you to live in. And this is that time. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, here we stand, and the Holy Spirit now comes upon each one of us, and we receive. Say it out loud. I receive. receive. Say it before the Lord. Lord, Lord, this is my time. To receive. to receive. This is my time. Is my time. A, new A new season. Change is in the air. In the and that's mine personally. I take hold of change so I can step it up. Not be passive, but positive and aggressive as I grow in Jesus. I'm a Jesus people. And in the name of Jesus... I take hold of the anointing of God for breakthroughs now that this season of change causes strongholds to fall, causes me to arise and come away with you, my Lord, into great places, real victories, real healing, real peace in my home, real calmness in my soul, in the name of Jesus, I receive. I receive. Amen. 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 Hallelujah to Jesus. Some of you recognize even now the fresh presence of God that's upon you. In these times, God imparts to people amazing things. Real peace happens. Real change comes. And this is why you came today and this is why I came today. That we can seal this in your soul, in your life. That there is measurable change and a measurable sense of increase. That you are stepping it up. Say it out loud. I'm stepping it up in the name of Jesus. I take the challenge. It's the challenge for change. God's in this with me. But I'm in it with him. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Are you glad you came today? Come on, shout a praise to the Lord.